Hunter coming up as a teenager in the 2000s, the earlier 2000s into mm-hmm. mid-2000s. Teens in the 2000s. And as a person not paying attention to video games that closely in the 90s, you know what I realized is really strange? I think that Peter Molyneux might actually be the first game person I was aware of as a singularly game person. Maybe outside of like, I don't know, I probably know knew who Miyamoto was. But like, yeah. Peter Molyneux was the only other person I knew of as a games industry person that got mentioned in things. Yeah, I wonder why was that, Matt? And how do you think that shaped your life? <laughs> well, I think it the the it's because during that time it was the heyday of perhaps the um we'll talk about this in today's episode, I think, but the the heyday of the lies of Peter Molyneux or the overrepresentations of Peter Molyneux or whatever. He was putting himself out there certainly, so it was hard to not uh n- know his name, I think. Yeah, absolutely. But how do you feel like that that's the question the real interesting question here is how did that how did he imprint on you you know in that because you were a child you were a a wee little baby baby. and you were listening to this grown adult man yeah tell you sweet little lies i don't think i had as big expectation i don't i don't think i put stock in his lies i just said oh that's cool okay cool that's a fun idea yeah fun idea why not See, I think that that's the answer I was looking for. Yeah. Because it only makes sense that Peter Molyneux would not, like, really get to you that yeah. badly because here you are. <laughs> it's 2023. Uh-huh. You are a grown adult person. And y- one of the games you are very excited for coming out this year is a game called Starfield. <laughs> so clearly, Peter Molyneux made no impression. <laughs> Let's go! Everybody and welcome to Old Gamers Almanac with me too. <laughs> gonna oh. tell you about some games. Gonna have some time. A <laughs> lot about gaming and a little about love. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to Old Gamers Hi. Almanac. My name's Hunter. I'm your What's main up? cowboy, and hey. then I'm joined by my second cowboy. I'm General Matt. Hello and howdy, and get in line, you scallywags. Uh, boy, I tell you. <laughs> Uh, I've mixed, I'm mixing things up. I just played Sea of Thieves for like an hour last night with Sun Sanders, and so now I'm like half pirate, half general. I don't know. I see. Uh, yeah. But that not, none of those things are what we're talking about today. Today, it is the final rush of the end of this season, 2001, a game odyssey. It's this game and two more weeks. We have three games left, Hunter, and then the season Dark. is over. Dark. And we are concluding the... PC side of things with uh, Lionhead Studios, Black and White, the only other PC game. Well, okay, there were two other PC games, I guess, on this list, right? Anachronox and Aliens vs. Predator 2. So this is our third PC game for our 2001. And those were those three games had to champion everything that was happening in PC gaming in yeah. 2001. That we, we missed plenty of other you know, big hits. There was a Microsoft flight simulator that came out that year. Tribes 2 was on my short list at one point, but we couldn't have too many uh, PC first-person shooters. But this is our only strategy game, uh, as it were. And well, yeah, I use you, that term count, loosely. Ad, yeah, if you don't count Advance Wars, <laughs> then I would say this is kind of the only strategy yeah. entry. Um, which, I mean, I guess depending on how much of a purist you want to be, maybe you don't count Advance Wars. Um, I would count Advance Wars more than I would count Black and White. I'll say that much. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Maybe Black and White doesn't really have a genre, you know? Maybe that's one of the things, one of the problems with it. It could be that this game maybe doesn't have a a space to live in, Uh you know? Yeah. Uh, So Black and White is a game from Peter Molyneux's Studio Linehead, which uh, previously as Bullfrog, they made things like Populous. Uh, and other, you know, they, they, they sort of invented or, or popularized the God game, 
uh, genre. And that if, if this has a genre at all, it's actually that, which is really, I mean, they're kind of one of the only people in the genre making games. They, they're, they are into this God game idea. Uh, and black and white is like a big graphical upgrade for 2001 the the big selling points are major advancements in ai technology black and white you are a god who rules over this island and the biggest hook is you got a little monster you got a little creature that hangs out on the island and you can sort of manipulate the creature you don't it's not a strategy game where you like click on a person and tell the person to go build a house your people uh-huh. just sort of do stuff and you can kind of be like hey y'all should probably put a house over here and then your people might do that might help out a little bit but mostly you interact well, with the world. Well, if you go get the wood for them, yeah. You go get the <laughs> if you go grab the wood, it, if you drop there, trees there, onto their houses, them. then they yeah. can start building their houses. Uh, but your your main method of interacting with the things in the world theoretically is supposed to be through this creature. Although that's not even true. You just click on stuff. You're a god. You just grab whatever you want to grab and move stuff around yeah. whenever you want. Um, Absolutely. The way I would describe how this game feels is when I was a kid, I played a lot of Age of Empires two. And I played against just the computer. I didn't play the campaign mode. I just played against the computer. I just play regicide on repeat. And I would play with cheat codes uh, because I didn't want to sit and wait around for for wood to accrue. I just wanted to get Mm. to the part where I was battling armies. So it was in that way, kind of a God game. I just like did the same thing you do in this. You just summon your wood, summon your gold, summon your rock, whatever, and then build your armies and send them out and go do stuff. And I would do that just like over and over and over again. That's the genre that uh, black and white is in, is the cheat code strategy game. (laughs) Hey, I really love this idea of child Matt sitting down with Age of Empires 2 and being like, you know what will be fun for me is if I just kind of bully the computer. <laughs> Let's just like kind of hold the computer down and just sort of spit in its face well, the a little goal, bit, you know? The goal was always, you have a population in Age of Empires, right? You can, you can only have like 200 total units on the map or whatever. And the goal right. was to cycle out all the people and use the cheat code to be able to spawn just the car. There was a car that you could just spawn with cheat codes in Age of Empires 2. I want 200 cars and I want to just storm the enemy's castle with as many cars as fits on the screen. That's what I would do. And and the computer's over there like trying to play a normal game Uh of Age of Empires 2 and you just show up with your cars being like, Nope, it's a car game. <laughs> boop, boop. And then it's like, but I'm trying to play Age of Empires. He's like, no, you're stupid. Yeah. Eat my car. I don't even know what any of this strategy stuff means. I just, <laughs> I, and it was like, I I had a little, Age of Empires 2 came with like a, a, a booklet that was all of the tech trees, like all of the stuff you could get. And yeah. I just, that was a checklist. It was not a strategy of which things am I going to go for? It was how quickly can I get every single thing on this list? <laughs> Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I, it, I I did the same thing with StarCraft, though, like yeah. where I would just come in and be like, this game's too hard. I'm going to play with cheats. But it's so weird when you do that because the I feel like in a strategy game, a lot of the mechanics just kind of go out the window mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. I mean, now now we're not we're not doing any of the resources stuff. There's we're not no doing, timings. Yeah, there's yeah, there's nothing. <laughs> Except just the joy yeah. of moving the pieces around. Yes. It's like if you're playing chess and instead of actually playing a game of chess, you're just being like, I really like the knight. What if yeah. like I just kind of moved it around the board a little <laughs> bit? Ooh, that's fun. That just feels good to do. Yeah. And to take it back to black and white, I would say black and white is sort of a game where you better enjoy moving the knight around the board with yeah. no real purpose. Yes. Because it's not a game with a hardcore focus on mechanically, yeah. here's what the game is, yeah. you know? The the actual focus of the game, to hear the developers talk about it, was they wanted to do this god game, and they wanted to do a sort of strategy game, but they didn't want any UI. They didn't want all that ugly, spreadsheety UI uh, of uh-huh. your standard strategy game fair, because that makes the game an Excel spreadsheet, and they think it makes it boring. So they didn't... They, how do you design a strategy game with no UI? Well, you do a lot of very strange signposting. So, yeah. like, you have to figure out how you need, when you need more wood. You have a little city center, and the people just put up banners when they need stuff. So, the, right. the UI is really just, like, an in-world element of, like, hey, hey, God, can we have more food, please? And you just have to go get them right. some more food or whatever. 
Um, and this also tracks with like your creature. Your creature can kind of signal to you that they want things. But also a lot of this gets thrown out of the window because plenty of times little things pop up on the screen and it's like a dial or like a, a, a text bubble that's like, hey, your creature likes fish now. You're, you should feed your creature fish. They prefer fish. Uh, and they'll they'll get fuller if you give them fish or whatever. So there's like there's plenty of UI coming up. There's also the sense that um you can do mouse gestures for a lot of the commands because God forbid there be a, a toolbar with your hotkeys. No, 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 we can't have UI, but we will have bubbles in the bottom right that remind you of all of the very, very obtuse hand gestures you can do to do moves when like you could also just go click that but if that if they had just decided to let that be a button, it's on screen no matter what. I could click the button and then spawn the thing, but no, I just have the UI that reminds me what the hand gesture is so that I can then right. do the hand gesture to do the thing I could have done with the click of a button. <laughs> yeah, so uh, clearly, you know, getting rid of the UI was worth it and definitely not uh, obnoxious. Um, something I want to say about this game very early is that this game is, well, obviously, it, I mean, well, maybe some listeners didn't have not already put this together, but this is a British game, and it was made by <laughs> British people. And the thing that really grinds my gears about Black and White is it is unapologetically British. Uh, everything about it is very British. Everyone talks like they're in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. Um, and I like my British games to kind of hide that. <laughs> You know, don't don't be so obviously British yeah. about everything. Like when someone when you when you learn that Donkey Kong Country was made by British people, it kind of clicks. Uh -huh. But it, it clicks in a way that did not occur to me until you told me. Yeah, yeah. When you boot up black and white, you're like, these are British people, you know. <laughs> and I just think that you know, just if you are British and you're listening to this, like you know, maybe don't make your Britishness so obvious the focus, the focus you know of your don't game. yeah don't make don't <laughs> don't sidetrack it you notice how at the beginning of this podcast i made my southern uh americanness the center of the joke uh -huh. that's fine because this is a podcast okay <laughs> i'm trying to play a video game i don't necessarily need to know you know that you are in fact british yeah uh so this game has um a campaign mode and, and like a skirmish competitive mode and the campaign mode is really even though it feels weird to call this it's like five levels like you play through five levels although while you're in each level the whole time you're kind of like is this a level or am i going to be here for a while is this my world is this the whole game and then the game like three-fourths of the way through it will suddenly be like oh we're about to ba abandon all of this you've been kind of like building a world but we're just gonna right. chuck it all into a portal and and get sucked through and go to a new area and you just have to start all over and by the really by the second but especially by the third level they actually introduce what the strategy game is and that is also the point in the arc of the campaign that you get tired of the game like as soon as the game is like this is actually the game we designed you're like oh I don't like that part. I liked the earlier part. So for me, it was in the first area, the first level, it's very open and it's just, you're just chilling and you're just a little God. And there's characters around the map that have quests and they're like, please God, help us find some food. And you sort of do that for them. And there's like, mm -hmm. there's funny little, just things you can do in the environment. And it's super right. chill. There's no timer on anything. You're just hanging out. And honestly, for me, that's when the game felt the most enticing and the most like I could just do this. If it was just a big open sandbox with no specific direction, but little quests, little micro things to do, yeah. that would be cool with me. That would be totally chill. But then as the game introduces the uh, strategy element to it, it tries to say, no, there's like an actual thing you really specifically need to be doing, but we haven't done a very good job of telling you how to do that, like how to defeat an enemy in this game, how to take their cities and make them your own cities and mm -hmm. do the main goals. Those things, because there's no UI and there's so little like signposting, all of these things become very nebulous, abstract concepts in your mind to where... They try to convince you it's a strategy game, but they haven't really told you any of the strategy of the game is how it feels for me. And I much preferred it when it was literally just like, it's a God game. You're a God. Do whatever you want, man. I don't know what to tell right. you. Right. Well, I mean, it's 
And it's not like that stuff entirely goes away, the little quest, because there's like what? Mm -hmm. There's the guys that are building the boat yeah. or whatever, and they need, you talk to them and they're like, I need, uh, I need some lumber. Please give <laughs> us lumber. Please bring us a little bit of lumber. Yep. And then you do, and then they, they keep building the yeah. boat or whatever. They and need I think more eventually things, more they things. like sail away or something. I'll go ahead and be open about it. Um, I booted this game up, the tool around in it, but for my, like, for what I'm putting into this episode, all I really have are my memories of playing this when I was a kid. I played this a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. And when I played it as a child, I thought it seemed really cool, but I did not really care to play it, yeah. which is kind of weird. Like, and I actually kind of feel like that maybe was a lot of people's experience reading reviews yes. from 2001, where people were like, wow, this is so neat. And the creature has like AI and it kind of feels like your little pet. Like it actually does. So you have, a, we actually have entries that part. There's like a little, there's a creature who's like your God pet that you kind of use to accomplish various goals or not. Yeah. You don't really you don't have, have to use to them at all. Do, <laughs> Yeah, you don't really have to do anything with them um, because you're a god and you can just pick up whatever you need to pick up and interact with stuff that way. Um, but yeah, like I feel like there was a lot of uh, we're impressed by this technology, mm -hmm. but what the game actually wants you to do does not really add up to be a whole uh, heck of a lot. Um, and it's especially evident watching uh, the speed run of this game. <laughs> Because they don't is, do anything. Uh, they just there's very little to do. They I just guess, spawn to these the items. The yeah, you get miracles. These are the little things in bubbles that are really just the the most blatant example of just like here's food to give them. You don't even need to find animals to turn into food. Literally, yeah. here's a bubble that says food on it. And yeah, most of the speed run is just like you find out where all those bubbles are and then you kill all of the enemies and then you win the game basically. And it takes about forty five minutes. Yeah, the aimlessness really becomes an issue for me because because there's no ui there's very little telling you what's going on with your people you have to like really really investigate them and if, if you're playing this game as like i said a big open thing where there's no time limit and and by time limit i mean like if you've put me up against an opponent i know that opponent is working towards me and i need to work toward like we there's that back and forth right so i need to keep yeah. up with that but you haven't given me the tools necessary to like know how the rest of my stuff is doing very well. So uh, w one thing that happens in this game is, um, you know, you can you can like like roller coaster tycoon style. You can just like pick up a person and throw them into the ocean and then they'll yeah. they'll slowly drown or whatever. And this Ooh. awful this awful sound effect comes up where it just goes death and um, there's no UI. Right. So when people die, you just have a death whisper in your ear and you mm -hmm. don't know where it's coming from you don't know who's dying or why or how or anything yeah, so hunter yeah. you referenced that boat builder quest i don't know what happened but at some point uh the death woman just started saying death over and over and over again and i had no semblance of who or what was dying and why oh god and when i came back to the boat builder thing uh, I was like, I got to get these guys their wood. I was trying to get them wood earlier. I didn't quite understand how to give them the wood. Like I was like giving them trees. Like I could, they wouldn't accept my wood. I didn't know how to present yeah, yeah. it to them. And I came back and thinking I was, I had finally figured out how to do it. And then when I tried to give them the wood, uh, your little prompts that come, you have like a, you have like a good and a bad person. You have your conscience. Uh, they kept telling me there's only two of them left. You you need all three of them to be able to do this quest. I had locked myself out of the quest because one oh of the three boat builders had just mysteriously died. And I have absolutely no idea how or why. And uh, that's how a lot of the game felt was like the villagers really just felt like they were doing their own. I'm supposed to be their god, but I was this very incompetent, like <laughs> useless god that was more focused on. I don't even know what uh, playing the really bad uh, creature combat mini game that uh, consists of a lot of strange hand gestures and whatnot. Everything in this game, sort of like Hunter said earlier, has like a we came up with a mechanic we came up with a system and that system exists in the game. And you're sort of like, okay, to, to what game design does that system contribute? What is the, like, what is my goal in the game? And the game generally kind of shrugs at you and is like, I don't know. It's a God game. Just like have fun with the systems that we made. And you never 
that never clicked for me. It never felt like I had any desire to do anything else, especially when I loaded up just a skirmish mode. So right. at least the campaign mode has like the quests I can distract myself with. In a skirmish mode, there's just nothing to grasp onto. It's just like, okay, here you are, figure things out. And it's like, I don't even remember how to do half of this stuff. And uh, none of it is actually fun to do. Yeah, I think it's tough when a game like Black and White comes along and says like, we're gonna like kind of strike out from genre and make a lot of bold choices mm. because it sort of starts to feel like you're being taught how to play just this game <laughs> and none of the things you learn in black and white will ever like really be a factor in any other game. So it's like a lot of games build off of each other uh -huh. because of genre, you know? <laughs> they ha all have things in common. So you learn one thing and one thing and then the next thing is like, oh, okay. Like you play Celeste and you're like, oh, jumping. Yeah, I know yeah. about jumping, but Mario <laughs> taught me about jumping. And then th it's like, here's jumping, but in a different way. Uh, Black and white is like, do you know about real-time strategy games? And you show up and then you're like, okay, yeah, I do. And then it's like, yeah, I, this is sort of like that, I guess. Uh, anyways, <laughs> here, let's get, let's open the textbook and teach you how to play it. Um, it's overwrought uh, and it just feels, I don't know. It just feels like the experience doesn't really add up to being really much of anything yeah um and it definitely is a game if for some reason though this is a game people really liked in 2001 i don't really understand that according to metacritic it is the second highest rated pc game of 2001 it's like a 96 or something on metacritic like this was at the time of reviews a deeply beloved game and i really do think a lot of that comes from the like Peter Molyneux getting everybody. People had people were still allowing themselves to be convinced by stuff. Pe the story of this game is they took it to an E3. They were, they were still actually kind of a smaller studio. This was a brand new studio. They had been Bullfrog, but they sort of reopened as Lionhead for for new stuff to like work on new um, IP things. And this is also them working with, I believe, EA. And they are making this game they don't fully know what it is yet but they know the systems they have in place they take it to e3 and peter molyneux is just like telling people what the game is gonna be and sort of showing them what little footage he has because the game doesn't exist yet right and he's just such a hype man that everybody leaves e3 being like it's all about black and white this is the most hyped game of 2001 everybody's got to try this game it's going to be insane because Peter Mullen, who told everybody the AI was going to be the most impressive thing you've ever seen. The 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 world design. Man, the thing that gets me the most about like just the graphics of this game, it is tooted as really amazing graphics for the era. As you move around the world, the structure of the map like warbles and changes. Like like it's not a static like a mountain will be sitting there. Mm -hmm. And as you zoom in on the mountain. The mountain changes shape. The polygons move around in very strange, abstract ways. And, like, all of the character animation feels the same way, where, like, I don't understand what the polygons are doing at any given moment. And so there's just all these things where every time it's listed as being, like, very hotly anticipated for this and this and this reason, the actual what you have to play with I don't see it. Like, I don't understand how everybody, I guess, had the wool pulled over their eyes. The AI is, like, talked about so insanely, but I don't know. Hindsight being twenty twenty, you can look at the AI and see exactly what the system is doing. Like, it's not some brilliant, like, ooh, the creature is doing all these things it does. It's just like, no, it's just got, like, sort of a series of checklists. And as you feed it one type of food, it likes that type of food. And you tell it to do it. It's just like a, a list of meters it doesn't seem like that wildly complex of an ai element especially for you know what would come years later so it's really hard i think to put yourself in the mindset of 2001 for this game like i think it's extra mm -hmm. hard because this game was amped up even more than the technology is actually justifying right so there's like games where you can be impressed by the technological scope you know metal gear solid 2 technologically impressive in a lot of ways but Black and white just feels like a game telling you it's technologically impressive, but not necessarily showing you how. Yeah, and I think ultimately that, from a historical standpoint, 
just kind of makes it really difficult to evaluate this. Mm-hmm. I, I know there's probably a lot of people that played black and white back in the day or even still love it today. And that's because I think you probably clicked into what this game was going for. But this is not an easy game to get into. Yeah, you know? right, right. Um, it's hard to be invited into a game that feels like it doesn't quite know even what it wants to be. It, it feels like a list of features versus yeah. like... A cohesive game experience and you might love those features a lot and be like oh that totally justifies the existence of this game and the game experience that i have i will say one thing i want to say unequivocally is that uh you know it sucks that this game is technically abandonware right now yeah um no one knows who owns the rights to it yada yada <laughs> which seems to be like a story that we've done before on yeah, this show you know right. it does seem like there's a lot of software out there that where it's just like no one even wants to do the very minimal homework of yeah. finding out who has the rights to a particular game. I think it's, it might be Microsoft. It might be EA. I think they it's don't e- know. Yeah. No yeah. one has time to figure it out. <laughs> um, so no one's going to. And so black and white is technically not available anywhere. Right. It, there's no way to get a hold of it unless you literally buy the, the like a physical copy of it. Right. And you have a computer that can, <laughs> like, if you have a computer from that era with Windows ninety eight on it, yeah, yeah <laughs> with Windows ninety eight on it and a CD ROM drive, <laughs> and you put it in and you relive nineteen ninety eight or whatever, you know, yeah, in 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 your life. Um, but yeah, so do that, I guess, uh, or you know, you'll have to Google and then you'll see you'll what options are. You- yeah. <laughs> We we did pl- I did play it. I played many hours of this game. So not to say it's not playable, but you know you you get it the way you get it these days. I is, booted it up. It, yeah. it it loaded up. It yeah. loaded up real good. It actually it runs great. Mine mine ran great. I think there were maybe a few years ago issues with there was you know there's a whole Windows 10 era where it's like Windows 10 killed every game before 2006 or whatever. Right. Um, and we don't really live in that world anymore. Everybody has figured out little hacks to to fix this stuff up. So. Yeah, I mean, this game in the end just feels like it was promising a lot, but it's actually just a very, very shallow experience and something I I think I would have liked this as a when I was younger again, because I was doing this kind of thing with Age of Empires, too. But I also think it's so detached and so wonky that I do. I, I think that's still what would have kept me away from it, because on, honestly, with my brain, the the spreadsheets, like I said earlier, of Age of Empires 2, the like tech tree, that was the thing propelling me forward. That was the goal, was do all the stuff Mm -hmm. on the checklist. So the fact that black and white even lacks any semblance of a checklist means like I don't know what I would have been doing when I would have sat down and played it. Also, in in reading stuff about it, it sounds like black and white 2 really refines things about the black and white experience and, and leans a little bit more into the strategy side of things in in like a more positive light so not that i have an interest to go checking out black and white 2 anytime soon it does sound like that's maybe sort of the the more interesting you know this is the experiment and black and white 2 is the figuring out what the game actually is maybe um yeah i I don't i wonder if that tracks could be i've never played black and white 2 ironically and it seems like black and white 2 is the one that's more popular with people or at least more fondly remembered um i only ever played uh, the original game. So yeah, I've, I have no idea, you know, if black and white two kind of fixes a lot of these problems, maybe yeah. it like kind of hones the gameplay into a more, uh, recognizable as <laughs> a game that I do things and get the game part, yeah. um, in, in me, in me dome. Um, I don't know what to do with this game though, Matt. Yeah. Uh, I, th- this is a weird episode because it yeah. feels like, you know, we didn't really get deep into this. Um, and we sort of vaguely evaluated it and was like, ah, that's not really doing a whole lot. It's one of these things where these, these, these games kind of sneak onto the schedule. Right. And in the future, I think, uh, maybe looking ahead, uh, and being like, is this game even, is there even anything to experience with it at this point is a question we should answer earlier on. To, to answer that, I mean, I, before playing it, I I did have some beliefs that it could. Like I said, I I thought of my memories of Age of Empires and went, a god game sounds right up my alley. I really want to check this out. It's also a top PC game for the year. It felt important to do it in the 2001 A Game Odyssey thing. And, I mean, I put in, you know, 
between I put around 10 hours into this game to discover that that's all it had in it basically that's my that's like that is my main takeaway is I gave it everything it had to give back more or less um it just didn't mm-hmm. honestly too the, the how long to beat doesn't even make sense to me we, we, you know when we, we very often like schedule these games based off of what how long to beat says they're going to be and this one says it's a 15 hour game I genuinely don't know what that's based off though I think the issue is how long to beat is a website that comes later than anyone is playing black and white so there's actually just like no consequential data that how long to beat is pulling from realistically or something because this game was i mean i did not beat it i played it for about 10 hours and and had not beaten it yet so maybe 15 hours makes sense but there's still like you're just sort of i don't know past a certain point you're just going through the same motions over and over again and so you just you lose all draw to like keep playing it especially watching the I finished watch. I watched how the game ends and it basically confirmed for me that it's just like, it's just going to make me sort of do this on repeat now. And this is my least favorite part of the game. So I would rather not. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess, uh, I wonder how many, it's hilarious doing this game. This, this like, okay, we're, we're on the edge of the nineties. We're about to do a nineties PC series. And I'm, I'm curious what the reaction is going to be from like our audience you know because i think we have a very 90s pc audience and i bet you there's people in our audience that are like i loved black and white growing up and i, I just wonder how everyone's gonna f- think fondly on it as a game while we sit here and sort of trash it and and did not enjoy very much of the experience at all i'm trying i mean again to 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 try to put positive spins on things what I liked is the quest stuff, and I wish the game had just been all quests. Little mm-hmm. casual, chill, help your people. It's not, you know, I don't I didn't need some sort of strategic tension. I I just liked the act of sort of taking care of these people. And if it had been able if it had been more clear in like how their lives were improving by the the quests I was completing, I think I would have stayed hooked on that game for a long time. But that's just never how it really felt to me yeah yeah well <clears throat> you want to rank it <laughs> uh i don't know i want to get lunch you know what i mean like let's <laughs> let's get some food let's just kind of move on with our lives this was a waste of time uh today it wasn't even your waste your time. <laughs> it, it wasted very little of your time i mean you didn't have to you barely you didn't play it i mean because you played it uh, because you, it was not worthy of being played <laughs> is you, uh, why basically so that's what happened from the now. moment we drafted this episode you knew that this was what this episode was going to be for you you mm-hmm. knew what and how you felt about to, the game yeah, well i had to, to play it. it i had to learn it i had to know what this game was yeah yeah and and we will we will not do this in the future you know we'll make sure I'll, to kind of rein matt in and keep keep the matt episodes yeah to uh the the Things that can be engaged with meaningfully. Um, <laughs> how do you know? How did you? Whatever. You played this as a child. How did you know this would be impossible to engage with meaningly, meaningfully? Uh, I just remembered playing it. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I you, you pull, you, you know what I mean? You, you, you go to YouTube, you pull up a game, you, you remember playing and you're like, oh yeah, I remember what this is. That's, that's, that's all, that's yeah. all it was for me. Yeah. Um, basically the experience of this. I don't know. It's hard. It's like. This is a really tough episode. I don't really know like what to say about this because it's like it's it's not even really a very interesting game to pick apart, yeah. you know? Like yeah. it doesn't even yield interesting results you, saying You what had it a is, funny you know? reaction. We both watched this um this no clip documentary about it. It's like a 30 minute little thing, but you had a funny thing to say which was, you know, the end of the the documentary is on that note we were just sort of rehashing which is like these games aren't being um maintained but your reaction to that was like i don't think i care like i do i don't yeah. need, i don't actually in black and if white's no one, case i don't need it to be brought back in any way <laughs> in thinking about black and white and watching you know i i watched a documentary on it uh i watched a long play of it I, I have been thinking about this game. Yeah. And no one, I feel like, can make an argument for why it needs to be remembered. People are just saying this game needs to be remembered. Right. And, okay, fair enough. But, like, just put it in, like, a museum or something. Right. I don't know. Right. Like, why, like 
I don't know that I actually care to have access to it. But I mean, I don't want to root for the abandoned. Like no, for, for well, sure. And I, I know you're like, not saying that. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you're not saying that. But it is the idea of like, if anything, it's more. I understand why it's not being saved because most people are forgetting about it because it because there's there's so few callbacks to it in things we're playing today or even in the decade after it right i mean th did the god game genre explode no although crafting games did and that's a different kind i mean you know i i crafting I, I, games like, what do you mean i i mean like if if we're talking about a god game in my ideal of like this just this open ended thing like Minecraft as an adventure thing where oh. we're crafting. I'm I'm talking about like the, the idea craft genre. I'm talking about the craft Warcraft. No, yeah, Minecraft. No, not those. I'm talking about like actual games where you're building your own little world. The whole point is the is the sort of creating this little thing around you, but it's not a strategy game. It's just like a well, I just am building my environment and 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 this is what it is or whatever. Um, yeah, those don't feel like they're pulling from black and white. So it's like whatever. Who you know. It, it's really hard to find the blood of this. And then, you know, Peter Molyneux himself tried to make, you know, after his fable escapades, he tried to do another God game. And that sort of became the kind of, it, it was a notably, I think, I think the Kickstarter failed. I don't remember the exact history of it, but like you don't hear about Peter Molyneux too much anymore because he tried more God games and the genre just sort of died off. People are not um, that pumped to make more God games. You ever play From Dust? You ever play uh, that game? A, a teensy bit, not a lot, but yeah, that's a that's a god game, huh? That's a cooler game than the. <laughs> this is a better game than this. The Eric Eric Chahi game. Uh, it was uh, published by Ubisoft. Maybe we'll talk about it whenever we get to that publisher yeah. uh, ranking episode, or we already have. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> um, the gameplay of From Dust is very strange, though, yeah. um, and. A much more interesting implementation of this type of thing. Yeah. But again, it sort of centers on the part of the idea of being a god as far as game design is concerned. Only really makes sense as being fun if you have, if you're worried about your people. Right. Because you're a god. So there's no stakes in your existence right. or whatever. Right. I mean, like, it's not like you, there, there's going to be a god game where you have a, a top down perspective and right. the, the problem is that you might be killed, you know? Uh, <laughs> So from from dust very uh very specifically zeroes in on well what's important is uh, in the case of from dust the tribe of people that you are sort of taking over and uh there's a lot of interesting like you interact with the environment the way a god does sort of like how in black and white but that's kind of all you do yeah. like it's 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 about stuff like making sure the ocean cannot yeah. swallow up your tribe by like moving uh, the, the water around. Right. Uh, it is, I don't know if I would go so far as to say that it is uh, like a good game or a great game, uh, but it's a lot more focused than something like black and white. And I yeah. think in general, um, not to, at this point, I find it kind of uncool to beat up on Peter Molyneux. It's been explored. Everybody sure. knows like what is the deal with that guy. But I do think that a lot of the problems that his games have for me as a player is that there's just kind of too much like fluff yeah. on them. Too many, too many ideas that kind of don't lead anywhere. That's also kind of how I feel about Fable, to be honest, is there will be an idea that more in the game that will be like there for the sake of the idea mm -hmm. and not because it delivers some sort of uh, interesting hook for the player. Right. Yeah. There, there is a, um, to, to talk about what you said about From Dust for like taking care of the people, there's that element in this game, but but what Black and White tries to play with is some sort of idea. Like you have a conscience, like we said earlier. You have like a little devil and a little god, a little a little happy guy, and they're both trying to steer you in directions. But what I found is every t it, it it's like so many other games with really bad morality things in them. Mm -hmm. Is good is to complete the quest, and bad is to not complete the quest and to not do anything. There are some quests in Black and White where there's like a bad path that you can do something. But it never makes any sense. It's like completely illogical why you would operate that way, especially when the game is trying to marry that with a strategy game that you are intended to win. The bad strategy, the evil strategy, like very rarely gets you anywhere. It's like you could kill your own villagers. It's like, but but the whole point is that I need to have a village to defeat the other village. So why would I just go about 
killing my own villagers. So this this strange morality thing in the game like defeats its own purpose of yeah, be being a god that should just my main focus should be making sure my village does well. When you have this constant yapping voice in your ear being like, or you could not do that. You could just ignore them and do whatever you want. And it's like, okay, but what was the alternative? Like, what is the whatever I want? The game never tells you what the whatever you want is in the evil side of things. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a, it's, this is also a theme of Lionhead games is superfluous yeah. morality stuff. Um, like Fable also has that where it's like, oh, you're a bad guy. So now you have like horns or whatever. <laughs> um, I'm really excited to talk about Fable eventually because I am one of those people that was fully on board with the hype cycle for Fable. Mm. Um, I experienced it like religiously. Like Yikes. I was like, that that was the most hyped I'd ever been for a project. I, I thought Fable was going to literally change my life forever. Yeah. Whoa. Um, and uh, it did, it it hurt, hurt my feelings. Um, <laughs> I think that's why I actually don't really like the idea of of talking about Peter Molyneux. Yeah. Because it feels a little raw. Because I was a kid, and that guy did actually kind of get in my head there for a little bit. Yeah. Um, because I read uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly, like, religiously. I would I would get the magazine, and I would read it over and over and over. Right. So, you know, that they, they did a big... There, there was a big Fable interview with Peter... And yeah, he was saying all his stuff like the grass is going to grow and, 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 you know, you'll, you'll get old in the game and, and eventually, you know, you'll get, you'll get, it's like, it's like he was telling me that like, I was about to like leave the mortal plane uh -huh. and go to like a digital existence where I would live out the rest of my days. Well, and it's like, I believed that that was something possible because I was a child. And, and and now I think about that as such a ridiculous thing because he's he's explaining it like your character will age, but it's a it's a mechanic to him. It's not a story element to him. And then I think about now I know about games like Dragon Quest V where it's like literally the store like you age in that game and that's the point right. of the game is that you play through an entire generation and it's like look if it serves a purpose to the game you can do amazing things with that compared to just like you can age and that's what the mechanic is is the aging and it's like okay great is it have any meaningful story element no you could probably beat the game as an 11 year old like you you might not age and you might age and it doesn't actually matter yeah yeah it's like what is a game just a just a list of features mm -hmm. or or is is the game itself has to have some sort of design that then makes these that justifies these features yeah. basically yeah um and yeah and that's 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 black and white i, I feel like we summed it up we, su <laughs> we perfectly summed it up and there's no black and white fans that are i will say this if you're going to be mad about this episode totally get it i'm mad about it too but how about this you have to play black and white again right before you get mad at us right you have to you can't just go off memory you have to pull the game up and interact with it right uh in order to to say that we are wrong um <laughs> okay and and in fact you have to stream it and then i have to watch the stream and i gotta see to the sure smile on your face right. i gotta see the authentic yes, good big smile see, on your face uh, you have to show me authentic joy <laughs> all right I must witness it, and if I do not witness it, then I do not believe you, okay? <laughs> uh, I want to rank this on the big list yet uh, first, because then we have to do the 2001 ranking, which is going to be a, a, a much stranger task. So, Hunter Donaldson, what tens do you want to put black and white in? Um, at the bottom. The bottom <laughs> ten is where I yes. would put it, but it's, it's up to you. I mean, yeah. It goes somewhere inside of there. The bottom 10 is so interesting, too, because there's a couple little strange, funny outliers in there. I mean, for me, like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 is just outside of the bottom 10, which is, is a really sad thing for me to see all the time. Although it's fine. I get it. It's it is where it is. But uh, but so is Twisted Metal 2 for you. Right. These two. These are two games that are on sort of much higher planes of our thing. You know, I, I just look at my list. I don't even. I don't. I don't pull up the other one. <laughs> when you bring up the OGA list, I'm like, what? Oh, uh, that, that gross thing. Um, I okay. Do I, I don't want to. I I think it's better than Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. I think we can absolutely like 
agree well, on that. The bottom, let's read the bottom let's, of the list. Let's read the bottom up. Let's go up from the bottom and talk about the hill that we're going to climb black and white up. So number 72 currently is Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, then War of the Monsters, then Sonic Adventure 2, Halo 2, GoldenEye, which had a recent... Uh, everyone's talking about GoldenEye again right now, right? And yeah. I, I feel the same way about that. Of All these people are like, oh, let's talk about GoldenEye. And then it's like, okay, I'm, let me watch you play it and see if you're loving it buster sorry just quick distraction uh killer instinct metroid dread aliens versus predator 2 mass effect solar ash and i'll stop at twisted metal 2 that's like our bottom 10 or 11 whatever however many yeah. things i just read so i mean there's no way that this goes above even those top four like aliens versus predator 2 was uh a similar experience of like nobody's preserving this i gotta find the installers and all that but then like the day we played a bunch of multiplayer of this I had a great little time. I th that's a that's a solid enough game. There's you know there's yeah. it's got its hiccups, but there's nothing wrong with it. I I think Black and White firmly goes beneath it, probably even firmly beneath Metroid Dread. Metroid Dread just has a lot of baggage. Yeah, Metroid Dread's like a real. It's game. a good game. Yeah, it just yeah. has all this strange sort of baggage to it. So we're in this Killer Instinct to like War of the Monsters range to me. Yeah, I I I think that's exactly where we're at. Um, I think that Killer Instinct is a better game because it, it just is a game. Like, it's a specific <laughs> game. Right. Uh, my problems with Killer Instinct is that it feels kind of derivative in a number of ways, and I'm not a hardcore fighting game person. Uh-huh. So, what may or may not make Killer Instinct special uh, does not really register with me. Yeah. Um, and I just prefer other games of the era sure um it's not even really saying that killer instinct is bad i just think the that the, the characters you play as look stupid yeah. and it just feels like boring in that right. way um so it's a very you know very surface take yeah. on killer instinct sure golden eye um, to, to get into sort of what i was getting distracted by i i think golden eye is that same sort of thing as we're, we're sort of making up this person that believes black and white was a great game and just hasn't played it in 20 years um and GoldenEye was essentially how I how I feel about GoldenEye. Although, I mean, it's like you can have a short afternoon with GoldenEye with friends and have sort of the nostalgic feeling of it. I don't think any of that sticks up to how we feel about how like first person shooters should feel nowadays. Right. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't make the things inherently in GoldenEye bad it means i just don't want to play that in 2023 anymore but like right. the historical significance the 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 nature of what it was at the time is still great right golden eye wasn't lying to you at the time it was up against its own limitations at the time and now those limitations make it feel worse so sure. for me yeah, yeah I, I think black and white still falls under golden eye even though i i can complain all day about golden eye it's not the same style of complaint that i have with black and white yeah um and i feel just generally more positive about golden eye than yeah. i than i think you do not by like a whole heck of a lot but but definitely by a decent amount i just uh -huh. think that it's a fun historical yeah. game to check out uh and that yes it is very rough around the edges and maybe isn't even that important historically. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think it, I don't know. It, it's kind of, every once in a while you have like a, a, a game that seems to be a beneficiary of history. Yeah. Um, where it's like, oh, you were at the right place at the right time. So now you're going to be remembered uh, like this. Yeah. And I think there's a little bit at play with Goldeneye in that way. Uh, black and white is neither, is not a beneficiary or like, even a, a diamond in the rough. It right. is just kind of something that happened <laughs> um, and no one picked up the pieces that it left. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely would put uh, black and white under GoldenEye. So with these last sort of three games in this area, we have what I think is the, the crux of the, the two sides of the bottom of the list coin, which is Halo 2 and Sonic Adventure 2 are games that like, actively make one or both of us mad in like specific ways right they yeah. e e e like in halo 2's case there are great amazing things about halo 2 but it still frustrates me in such bold big ways that i want to put it so far down this list right and and people sort of are like there's people out there that would say halo 2 is one of the best games of all time and it's sitting here at the bottom of a list i'm a part of right that that's a whole thing and then you contrast that with the other side of the coin which is war of the monsters which is, I don't know, I guess was probably a similar episode to this one, depending on your vibes on talking about games that are just unimpressively not that great. You know, War of the Monsters is 
not necessarily doing anything super negative it's just a forgotten thing for good reason it, there's no reason to remember it it just existed for a little bit and black and white is kind of more on that side so then the question for me becomes like how does that get ranked basically it, it seems like traditionally we have the the boring nothing underneath the anger except for specifically kingdom hearts chain of memories because chain of memories is just like this whole other level of frustration and lack of being a, a fun thing to play or whatever yeah kingdom hearts chain of memories is a void of <laughs> anger an empty an empty nothing singularity uh -huh. where you are frustrated but you also feel deeply alone you know what i mean it's that feeling of of being in the dark yeah. by yourself and right. you are upset yeah um so so that i would say ranks among the, the worst experiences you can have is Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. Um, black and white, just boring and kind of not really adding up to a whole lot. War of the Monsters, I mean, you play War of the Monsters with your friend. Right. You know, with right. your buddy. Um, and I don't know. Kind of seems cooler to me than black <laughs> and white. I, I, okay. definitely rem I definitely found my experience with War of the Monsters more memorable than uh, my experience with black and white. Interesting. Um, it, it was a day that we spent together. Yeah. Uh, and then we recorded the show and it, it, you know, it's tough when we have to be mean. It, it, it's tough when we talk about a game that we do not really like that much. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty obvious to the listener. Uh, but War of the Monsters, even though we didn't really like the time we had with it, I felt like we came into it with the same, like it, it was a game that you had liked when you were younger. Yeah. But your memory of it was not so strong that it felt like our experiences were entirely different. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know what I mean? The nostalgia didn't do anything for it. It just was right. a game I remembered, and then playing it recently was like, oh, it was just this <laughs> empty thing. It, it, I don't know what I was nostalgic for, just being yeah, weird at 14. <laughs> but at least War of the Monsters knew what it was, and I mm -hmm. just feel like Black and White really doesn't know what it is, and then and therefore also I don't really know what it is, yeah. And it doesn't seem like you really know what it is either. <laughs> so I don't think anybody really knows what this game is, yeah. So I think it's worse than War of the Monsters. That's where I would okay. personally. That's where I would put it. I would put it under War of the Monsters and above Kingdom Kingdom Hearts: Chain of Memories. Yeah, I, I see the argument, and um, like I'm happier to own war of the monsters than i would be like as as soon as we're done recording i'm uninstalling black and white from my computer like there are certain games i keep around on my devices or whatever because it's like you know yeah. i'll want to pluck away at that again sometime and i firmly don't feel that way but with war of the monsters i do still sometimes want that weird sort of empty nostalgia hit right like it yeah. still has that on me even just slightly um it is interesting to me that it that it's going below. I mean, like the Halo 2 and Sonic Adventure 2 thing, those two games are more in my chain of memories anger kind of thing. But I think it's also, at least in Halo 2's case, I understand why it's a beloved game. I mean, I did play the pants off of Halo 2. I played more Halo 2 as a kid than uh, it represents on this list. Um, so I, I do think for me, I enjoy Black and White more than Sonic Adventure 2. But I don't enjoy it more than War of the Monsters. So those two things are the conflict for me, right? So because right. you're so firmly the other direction, like that's why I'm happy. I'm fine with it going below War of the Monsters because I do want it to be below War of the Monsters. I just wish it was above Sonic Adventure 2. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I like Sonic Adventure 2 right. more than you do. And I also like Halo 2 more than you do. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like, yeah. I This is representative of our our. Co you know uh, our consensus i think is, is yeah. what we're getting to heck yeah all right so we've decided where black and white goes on the master list how do we come up with a reason <laughs> oh, for black and white to be the number one on the 2001 a game odyssey list uh, um i'm not really sure by what logic that makes any sense yeah um and so i think like i don't know um let's not do it like <laughs> why what would the point of that exercise be? Like, yeah. Like, yeah, maybe we what, should what, use this. We had a recent episode. I don't even remember which one it was. Was it Metal Gear Solid 2 where it felt like the bottom of the list? We just had to make up a bunch of very absurd reasons for things to, to just exist. Yeah, the only thing I was going to come up with was the promise. Uh, the, 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 the empty promise of it. But, like, I, I would say 
80% of these games don't even have empty promises to them. They're just games that are fun to play. And there's like th there's like four at the top that feel like empty promises to me. But that's yeah. it. But let's let's use this time to let's not even talk about black and white anymore because I don't want <laughs> to. Over um, it. <laughs> uh, let's use this time to talk about what is going to be the final logic yeah. for the 2001 ranking. We only have two more games left yeah. in this season. Uh, and they're both two pretty big deal games. Right. But what will the final logic be for this list? Like, ultimately, what is going to be the point of this section? Yeah. Well, obviously, there won't be a perfect logic because that's not, hey, that's not what this show is going to be. Because what we're trying to always marry, especially with this season specifically, is how did a game feel in 2001 versus yeah. how does it feel in 2023 and those are two like diametrically opposed things like when you try to right. marry those two things together that's like where all the conflict comes with within your rankings or whatever and especially i i think i generally lean more in the how did it feel to play recently because with so many of these games it's like it's not like i played it in 2001 so i can't even perfectly create for you the environment that i feel it existed in 2001 there there are just some of Absolutely. the obvious ones that have this sort of like historic you know it's like your your things like silent hill 2 and metal gear solid 2 like we know are going to be high up on the list because they were still crazy fun to play now and we know for a fact they were a big deal at the time of release and they were a big deal for 2001 like there are things that are just like unquestionable about that yeah. and the ones yeah. where that's a question uh, yeah, the middle of the list becomes significantly more difficult to sort of hash out. Yeah, so the master list is just quality. Yeah. But the 2001 list, in order for it to not just be quality to again, be the master where it's essentially list, right. the same, yeah, it doesn't need to be the master list without all the other games in it. Yeah. I uh, The logic I've kind of come up with that I want to propose is that we, for the final 2001 ranking, which we won't do until the season finale, by the way, right. we'll still continue our, our silly little thought exercise, but I just want to get this in your head so that we can be thinking about it and maybe, you know, maybe we'll go with this, maybe we'll change it. I think the final logic should be games that 2001 needed. That's fine. As in, this is a game that needed to happen at this time uh -huh. so that the future right. could occur because we live in the future. We know where things went. We know the games yes. that promised to lead to a future and the ones that actually led to a future basically. Right. Yeah. Like, so yeah, the, the, the games, I like that the games that needed to happen in 2001 or um, that, that later the future needed the history of 2001 to exist the way that it did. Yeah. There's, right, and it's there's not, it's not just historical importance because right. then we'll have to talk, we'll have to say nice things about Grand Theft Auto Three. We, <laughs> I, th I think, I think what we need to do is connect the present, yeah, to this year specifically, right, and say things like because of this game, right, we are now at this point in history right now, and I like that, yeah, and, yeah. and I want to thank that game by putting it higher on the list, right? That's okay. It's it's sort of. Uh, you know, Grand Theft Auto is such a good example of that because to talk back about Halo 2 again, like Halo 2 is obviously a big deal game and it's a great game. Like it's it's a it's a well created game, but the things that it represents for me personally, like that's why it goes so low on this list. I look at the invention of that console matchmaking and I say that was a net negative <laughs> for the world of gaming right so yeah. for me that's why halo 2 goes low so like yeah when we look at things like grand theft auto 3 we'll be like the open world design and it's like but look at all the trash that that breathed into existence or whatever versus the games that you know only breathed good ideas into the into the world of gaming or whatever yeah the the games that breathed anti-trash is i think <laughs> what you meant to say um, so yeah, so that's that's my idea. Let's noodle on it more. Uh -huh. um, we'll 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 meet back here in a number of weeks. We've got two episodes left with just where we're 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 going to be talking about Final Fantasy X and Eco. Yep. Uh, and then we will do our finale, and that'll be it for 2001 and the ending of the first 
real season yeah. of Old Gamers Almanac. That's right. I'm very excited to be done with it too. Not for any reason to like want to get out of it, but it, you know, there was that moment after Christmas where we were both like, we had like a long break from 2001 games and we we're like, I want to get back into the 2001 games. And as we're closing up the season, I'm like, okay, like I actually do feel, I feel satiated <laughs> by the amount yeah. of this era of graphics this style you know the, the this world of action adventure the mechanical whatever we had like i'm feeling done with that and i'm excited to go to like not touch 2001 stuff for a while or, or like 2000 to 2004 sounds like a, a section of years i would like to avoid for the next large chunk which i mean next season will be 90s so the most of that will be very very much avoiding uh, this era although i don't know there's a lot of really great stuff right there at 97 98 99 and that's not a far cry from uh 2001 yeah but w critically they're all pc games yes. and the pc did not fare very well in this season 2001 right. was not a great year for pc gaming i think even black and white fans would maybe agree with that overall right, right. you think about it we said this was the greatest reviewed PC game of 2001 and black and white, even if you love its weirdness yeah. is not emblematic yeah. of anything. Yeah. It, you know what I mean? Like it's it, not anybody's favorite PC game, generally speaking. It's, well, it's, it's, it's not, it's not Coca-Cola or Pepsi. Yeah. Even. yeah, yeah you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, it's squirt <laughs> and that's fine. Oh, but no. The year where squirt is the best soda is a weird squirt. year. What a funny analogy. I was such a squirt kid. We, yeah, we went you were nuts. kind of a you are kind of a squirt kid. You're kind of a kid insisting that squirt is great. You know, I literally am. Squirt's really good. <laughs> and then it comes time for us to talk about squirt on the podcast, and you're like, "Yeah, I've been drinking squirt all Grapefruit week." And it's um, really I, exhausting. I, it kind of made more sense in my head than it did in reality. <laughs> Old Gamers Almanac is produced by Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson with music by Knight Corey. If you liked our little show, consider giving us a five-star rating or heading over to patreon.com slash oldgamersalmanac. Yeah.